0: he wouldn't shut up so we gave him a talk show sometimes i'll start a sentence and i don't even know where it's going i just hope i find it along the way adam crowley on espn pittsburgh the pirates lost three out of four to the san diego padres and i'm not even really sure how how many balls did san diego misplay how many times did they not make the routine play how many guys did the Pirates strand in scoring position on Friday night? What a frustrating series. And make no mistake about it, San Diego is effing awful. Terrible. All of their outfielders looked as bad as Gregory Polanco did. That's not good because Gregory Polanco was atrocious. The Pirates let a great opportunity slip through their fingers. I said they should go 7-2 and two in their stretch against bad teams, and set themselves up to go 30-19 and 19 for a tough part of their schedule, well, they've gone 3-3 three and three against the Cupcakes. Yikes. The Reds are up next. If you sweep them, you're fine. Two out of three, and they haven't taken advantage of the gift the schedule makers gave them. You might, or might not realize it, but the Pirates season is teetering right now. I'm not being dramatic. They're a game and a half behind the Brewers. They need to make some hay against these bad teams. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. We're live at the Bamboo Bar outside of the North Park Clubhouse in Crayberry. I made it in on time this time. Did not go to the wrong location reason we're here is we're giving away a trip to St. Louis to see the Bucks play the cards. It is the Budweiser NL Central Tour. You come on out here to Cranberry, find Alex. He's the sexy guy in the Adidas Raptors t-shirt. And you can sign up at the iPad right behind him. Gregory Polanco might have to sit out for a day or two. I just caught one of my show notes out of midair like I'm Harry Potter. Show note was the golden snitch. The problem is that Marte's out, so it makes it just that much harder to sit Gregory Polanco down. Polanco misplayed a ball in the outfield. He was awful at the plate, swinging through everything, and the few times he made contact was on pop-ups. Not good. He was just not good enough and has not really been good enough this season. His OPS is sitting just below that 800 mark. It would be the highest of his career, but the way he started the season out... You expected more from Gregory Polanco. The one thing I won't entertain, though, is this. The thought of Austin Meadows being Gregory Polanco while Gregory Polanco sits on the bench when Starly Marte comes back. It ain't gonna happen. Austin Meadows has played exactly a couple of games at the Major League level. Meanwhile, Gregory Polanco leads the Pirates in home runs. He's also making $5.5 million this year, and, well, we know how the Pirates are going to deal with that. Good to see Josh Harrison back in the lineup. He looks like he's 100%. Huge, massive, large series against the Reds starting tomorrow. How about the Golden Knights? Can you remember anything more improbable in all of sports? The Miracle on Ice was obviously a huge upset, but it was one game. Giants-Patriots in 2007 was a huge upset, but it was one game. Jets-Colts in Super Bowl three was a huge upset, but again, it was one game. Butler got to the finals two years in a row in college basketball. That was an upset, but Brad Stevens is a damn good coach, as we all well now know. They also didn't win anything, and teams make surprise runs all the time in that tournament. 13-9 was shocking, but again, it was one game. Does anyone have an example when something like this happened. I can't think of one. And I'm asking. At 412 Leicester City in the Premier League is the closest example, but that was across the pond, and we don't give a damn about what's going on across the pond unless one of our women is marrying one of their princes. Flurry, Perron, Neil, Reeves, England, they were all one time Penguins. I liked all those guys except for Neil. He was a douche. But I'm rooting for Vegas flurry as much as the story but the story's insane mcnab and schmidt were on the ice for vegas at the end of the game when they were killing it off the other night McNabb and schmidt i mean come on a lot of these guys are good players but so many of them were has-beens and never lived up to the hype or their potential anybody who's intelligent shouldn't question the fact that the Penguins did the right thing in the expansion draft. Matt Murray was the goaltender getting mobbed on the ice during each of the Penguins' back-to-back Stanley Cup runs. He made the saves against New York, against Washington, Tampa, San Jose in 2016. He made the saves against Ottawa and Nashville in 2017. When the expansion draft rolled around, Matt Murray was 23 years old. His save percentage in the playoffs was 928. Marc-Andre Fleury only had one playoff run that saw him post a higher mark than Murray's career number, and that was in 2008. The Penguins could only protect one goaltender. Matt Murray was the guy who could win now and win in the future. Marc-Andre Fleury is the guy who could just win now. It was a slam dunk decision, one that was made without a second thought by Jim Rutherford. And even if there wasn't an expansion draft, the marriage was going to end. Here in Pittsburgh. It had to. Flurry deserved to be a number one goaltender. Meanwhile, so did Matt Murray. Marc-Andre and Matt were friends. Things worked out far better here than they would have in other places. Hell, look at what's going on with Ben and Mason Rudolph. Rudolph ain't taking his job, yet Ben's acting like a petulant child. The Flurry murray relationship was a good one, but both guys deserved to start, and it was going to be a problem under the cap anyhow. Think of all the guys the Penguins lost this offseason season. When they saved the $2 million, that was the difference between Marc-Andre Fleury and Matt Murray's salary. Ron Hainsey, gone. Chris Kunitz, gone. Matt Cullen, Trevor Daly, Nick Bonino all walked away in the offseason. This after the Penguins saved money against the cap. It needed to happen. It was an inevitability. It was always going to happen. Not to mention, just because Fleury is the clearly better goaltender today doesn't mean that he was the better goalie when the decision was made. I said last year during the playoffs, that Murray was better than Fleury had ever been. Fleury's athleticism is always more fun to watch than the stoic Murray, but Murray's numbers through the last year were better. Murray's career regular season save percentage is higher, as is his playoff save percentage. Murray had a damn 937 save percentage last year in the playoffs. Fleury never did that until this season. Never in his Penguins career. Not close, in fact. Murray had a 9.23 save percentage in his first year in the playoffs. Fleury ever only did that twice in his Penguins career. And one time, the Penguins were still eliminated in five games. Murray had two seasons in the league that his save percentage has been 9.23 or above. Marc-Andre Fleury did not have one until this year. Again, Jim Rutherford, slam dunk, did the right thing. And the good thing about the expansion draft is that it actually made it so it wasn't as messy as it certainly could have been. If you want to blame the NHL GMs for effing it up, that's fine, but you can't lump Jim Rutherford into that category. How about Dale Talent? the GM for the Florida Panthers? He gave up Jonathan Marchisot and made sure that they took Marchisot by giving up Riley Smith. We're really good at revisionist history, and we're really good at seeing what we want to see. Confirmation bias, that sort of thing. Ryan Reeves last night scored his first goal as a Vegas Golden Knight. He wasn't even playing when the playoffs began. But now that the Brassard trade was a total flop in some people's eyes because Reeves made a difference. However small, he still made a difference in their ascension to the Cup Final. There are Penguins fans coming out of the woodwork who are pissed about Flurry. I had to talk one of them off the ledge. On Facebook, there are Penguins fans mad about the Reeves trade and how they used him when he was a Penguin. Just because something works out for one team doesn't mean that it was the wrong decision for the other team. As for Reeves, Mike Sullivan's got a pretty good handle at what he's doing. He's won 9 out of 10, 90% winning percentage, series as a coach in the playoffs. That guy was playing Reeves 3-4 to minutes. What's that tell me? That tells me that Reeves couldn't play. And yes, I realize the Penguins' bottom six wasn't good in the playoffs, but Reeves never would have been an option here because, again, Mike Sullivan didn't think he could play. And just because Ryan Reeves is standing in the right place and his stick gets a piece of the puck at the right time doesn't mean that the Penguins made a mistake by letting him go. Ian Cole and Ryan Reeves helped pave the way for Broussard to become a Pittsburgh Penguin. Neither of those players are half the player that Broussard can be When Broussard's healthy. And Broussard can help the Penguins win a Stanley Cup next year. It doesn't mean that they didn't make a good deal. Penguins got the best hockey player there. Period. They did not lose because they didn't have Reeves. They sure as bleep didn't lose because they didn't have Cole. They lost because they were hurt. Broussard, Kessel, and Malkin didn't look like themselves in the Washington series. It happens. It's hockey. All this hand-wringing because of the success that Las Vegas is having is absurd. And it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Because as Penguins fans continue to lament the fact that Rutherford had to give up Flurry, at the same time, they're rooting for him. It's weird, and really, y'all don't seem that bright. Especially the way that Flurry was treated during his time in Pittsburgh. Now, he had some bad playoff series, but my God, so did the team. He wants to get uh, fans, pardon me, want to throw him under the bus for everything that happened in 2012, but nobody played well in 2012. At all. The Penguins were consistently... And constantly on the penalty kill, that's not a good situation for a goalie to be in. Now he's beloved, and oh yeah, he should have been kept. Cute. He's never been, Marc-Andre Fleury, more popular in Pittsburgh than he is today, right now. Last year was close, he was tremendous in the playoffs, but I always defended him against his haters because he was a great player and wrongly was blamed Much like Murray was at times this year. Because Penguins fans, when they don't know what they're talking about, and sports fans in general, they'll blame the goalie, they'll blame the quarterback, they'll blame the last guy to miss a shot. Because that's all they see. Because it's recency, The Vegas Golden Knights are in the Stanley Cup final, and the Pittsburgh Penguins are not, which means that Marc-Andre Fleury is in the Stanley Cup final, and Matt Murray is not, which means the Penguins fans are acting a fool right now on social media. And guys, come on. Jim Rutherford made the right decision at the time. Right now, Marc-Andre Fleury is the better player, but last season, last offseason, at the time of the move, it wasn't the best decision decision for the Pittsburgh Penguins because Matt Murray was the better player joining us now to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights from ESPN it is Emily Kaplan Emily thank you so much for taking the time to join us today
1: it's my pleasure I was uh, in Winnipeg all day so this might be my highlight (laughs) I'm kidding I'm kidding but I will tell you today is apocalyptic in uh, Winnipeg it's apparently Victoria Day everything is closed including the Tim Hortons so I'm assuming everyone's just inside in the morning
0: Wow, that is awful, uh, especially given their hockey team's recent loss. I'd imagine that they'd want to be out at the bars or uh, doing something to cope, and, well, not really possible, I guess. Uh, As for the other side of that coin, Vegas, I don't really have a question, Emily, so much as I have a comment, which is Vegas, what the hell?
1: (laughs) I think that's what everybody in the NHL is saying, and I do love what John Cooper, the coach of the Lightning, said today before their Eastern Conference Finals game. He was like, look, this isn't a Cinderella story. It's a success story, and I'm sorry for the background sound. I am just now getting to the airport. Um, but I think that's the way to view it. And it's like, look, the NHL did set them up better than any other expansion team in the past. But George McFee and the team he built there really exploited the system, and they did everything right, and credit to go to them.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that, and I do wonder if the next time the NHL expands, whether it's in Seattle or wherever, if they're going to have similar rules, I think it's a great thing for the league that they have now a fan base that's going to be engaged, you think, for a little while, given the success that the uh, uh, Golden Knights had so early.
1: Yeah, and I can answer that question for you. It is 90% inevitability that the NHL will expand to 32 teams and Seattle will be that team. They've already gone ahead and got their ticket drive, and they're ahead of where Vegas was. And Gary Bettman has said time and time again, as we reporters have asked him, they will get the same exact, expansion format. The only difference I see is I think teams are going to be savvier about it. They just weren't used to it, and they're making all these side deals and overthinking it. And I just think poor Seattle, because, look, you are not probably going to surprise (laughs) everyone like the Golden Knights did.
0: Yeah, no, uh, that is not going to happen. It's still shocking to me that this has happened, and you're right about the side deals. Uh, The Penguins had to ship over a second-round pick to ensure that Marc-Andre Fleury would get taken by George McPhee and the Golden Knights, and a lot of that went on. Riley Smith wound up getting shipped so that Marcheseau would wind up on the roster. How's that look for uh, the Florida Panthers now? But uh, I think that this is the best thing that could happen for the league. Uh, How do the... General managers feel. How do other owners feel about this team uh, having the success that they're having right now?
1: Sure. Well, I don't think they're happy with the fact that a team came into the first year and just made it look easy because that's kind of just fooling all of them, saying, "Look, how come you guys can do it to their own fan bases?" At the same time, I think they understand it's good for the sport of hockey. Right? We're always battling exposure in this sport. We we need more people to pay attention. How many random people on the street are talking about the Golden Knights? A ton. And the other part about this is, A, Bill Foley paid $500 million. That money was split between all the GMs and owners. Like, Think about it. That's a big cash flow for each team, and that's why they're not really complaining about the expansion format. And, B, you look at it, so many times the NHL has tried to expand to non-traditional areas. I'm thinking of places like Carolina and Atlanta and Florida, minus the Lightning, who have done a good job in that community. Uh, Arizona is another example. And they've struggled. And here in Vegas, you know, we thought they were going to have to market to out-of-town fans. Like, if the Detroit Red Wings were a town, they're going to have to have Detroit people living in Vegas go. Well, no, they've kind of, kind of tour, um locals at the game. And they do this thing during the game where so they're like, cheer if you're a tourist, and a couple people cheer. And then they say, cheer if you're a local, and the place goes absolutely huh. bonkers. And that's huge.
0: It is, and it's definitely not expected from that standpoint. Emily Kaplan from ESPN joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, as for the team itself, has Marc-Andre Fleury done enough? That barring a collapse, this is a guy who should win the Consmeit Trophy either way, whether their team wins <laughs> or lo- loses.
1: Honestly, I think we're at that point, right? I mean, he's just above and beyond any other cans at this point. I mean, Mark Siffli was probably closest to him because he had a ridiculous amount of goals, but he, he stifled Mark Siffli at the last four games. So, uh, I do think that he is your Consmeit front runner, uh, no matter what happens, um, even if they lose.
0: Who else on Vegas? I guess. This is probably not the right question, is playing above expectations. I suppose they all are, but what has it been? Who has carried them other than Marc-Andre Fleury to this point?
1: Well, I'll just tell you one player who I think exemplifies their success, and part of it is me just being really neat deep in his story because I've got a feature story coming out of him this week, but uh, William Carlson, who's their first line center, and he's a perfect example because, look, this kid was dumped by two teams in his first three years in the league, he was most recently with the Columbus Blue Jackets and Tortorella just thought of him as a bottom six forward. He's like, look, you're good defensively. You can kill penalties, but I don't see you anything more than that. So they got rid of him in the expansion draft and here he comes to Vegas. Gerard Gallant's like, I'll give you a role in the top line. Let's see what you can do. And he's been insane. He scored 43 goals chasing Alex Ovechkin after scoring only six last year. He creates so many opportunities for his line mates like Jonathan Marchessault and Riley Smith who have also been terrific. And I think he just kind of exemplifies what everybody on this team is, and they're just all players who needed a new opportunity.
0: It was really cool to see Derek Englund uh, be the guy to accept the trophy yesterday. They don't have a captain, which is odd. You don't see that in NHL circles, although I suppose it makes sense. I wonder if he'd be the guy to carry the Stanley Cup if they were to win it. I wonder if he, it would be Mark andre Fleury. It just seems like anybody who they plug in, I mean, you, you mentioned Carlson, they seem to perform above their expectations. Uh, they've got a lot of great guys in the room. Uh, I don't. Again, I really don't have a question. I'm just in awe, Emily. I'm in awe.
1: <laughs> I'm in awe too. And I mean, someone that Pittsburghers are pretty familiar with from his play last year is Ryan Reeves. Like, how about that? Right. He was kind of confused by the fact that the Penguins even picked him up. He's like, they never carried a player like me. I, I don't know. I wasn't really playing a ton of minutes. I mean, there was a handful of games he played less than four minutes for Pittsburgh. He comes there, they give him a slightly larger role, and he scores a gosh darn game winner last night. It was insane.
0: Who's a better matchup for Vegas? Who do you think they'd rather play?
1: That's a great question. Uh, I think they might want to play the Capitals. They're such a fast team, Uh, and and I think the Lightning can probably have – I think they have the manpower, especially with their defensive corps, to slow them down. Um, That's not to say to discount these Capitals, but I I just think the Lightning overall are a deeper team.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And with the way Vegas plays structurally and with their speed, I think they're going to give either team – uh, a run for their money. Uh, I'm done doubting them. I, I said whenever they got uh, two wins away from the Stanley Cup final that I was finally going to say, okay, they can do this thing. Uh, now I might as well just bet everything on them. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, who do you think's going to come out of that series uh, between Tampa and Washington? You
1: know what? Every single series this year I bet it, I, I've predicted against the Golden Knights did not bet. I predicted um, and I, I look foolish after every single round. I'm getting a ton of people in my Twitter feed posting the <laughs> article previewing the Jet series where I said the Jet death will prove too much for the Golden Knights, which is just an like old take exposed from like two weeks ago. So um, I'm not going to play that fool again. I, I think I have to finally get on the bandwagon and pick the Knights.
0: Yeah, uh, it's, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people are in your uh, same shoes, Emily, uh, that – they they doubted them and for good reason. I I mean you look at the lineup and they, I mean they've got good players, but I thought Winnipeg was the better team. I thought Winnipeg had the home ice advantage. I thought Winnipeg's uh, goaltender Hellebuck was playing good hockey. And well, it just doesn't matter. Uh, as for Washington and Tampa, you like the Capitals to come back and and tie this thing up tonight, or do you think it's time for the Lightning?
1: It's tough. I think no matter what I do see the lightning prevailing just because I think that if this goes home for game seven, they're they're gonna close it out. Uh, I think the Capitals could have a little light still in them, but um I, I think this is campus area to lose.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And uh we had talked about this uh whenever you came on the first time on the show. Oh man, right at the beginning of the playoffs and the Capitals were <laughs> down they were down two oh and we talked about oh maybe the Caps need to uh, blow this thing up. Uh, It doesn't look like that needs to be the case, obviously, at this point, as they're uh, this close to perhaps going to the Stanley Cup final. But what do you think the narrative's going to be if they don't win this series, the way that they were up and then lost? Do you think that they're going to get crushed? Do you think that Ovechkin's going to be the guy that gets blamed? Because I think all of that would probably be unfair at this point.
1: Yeah, I don't think we can blame Ovechkin for anything this year. He has been above and beyond expectations in every sense of the form. Um, I do think that Barry Trotz, though, I, I would still watch his job security. And I know this is crazy. He finally got over the hump and beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. But he's about a contract for next year. And I think at this point, even if they get to the Eastern Conference Finals and lose, um, I would be surprised if he did come back.
0: Uh, last couple of things for Emily Kaplan of ESPN. So you're leaving Winnipeg. Where to now? I, hopefully, for your sake, it's Tampa and Vegas, right?
1: <laughs> no, I get to go home to Chicago for a couple of days, which is great, because I really need to do laundry.
0: <laughs> well, I TMI. Like, the great work. Uh, we are very much uh, – no, hell no, not t- TMI. you got to get the laundry done. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, have fun covering the upcoming final, and uh, hopefully all your uh, pants are clean.
1: I appreciate that, thanks.
0: There she goes, Emily Kaplan from ESPN. Uh, very good at what she does. I uh, like Greg Wachinski as well. Uh, ESPN's coverage changed, obviously, uh, of late in terms of hockey. But it's really good. And they don't get the credit that they deserve for the people that they have writing. And I'm looking very much forward to seeing what she writes about William Carlson and the feature she's got coming up on the Golden Knights. Now, I know we had some technical issues at the end of the first segment. Uh, but you prepare to do a show. And when you prepare to do a show, you want to get your opinions out there. So, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it right now. How about that? The Washington collapsibles That's what I call it. A TM. It's mine. Made it up. I think Tampa Bay Lightning are going to get this done tonight. I like Washington to play hard. Uh, I like Washington to do everything that they can to uh, put their best foot forward here in this series, but I just think Tampa Bay was the better team coming in, and because they were the better team coming in, I have faith that they'll now achieve that level of play that we still have not really seen from them, Uh, the level of play that made them the best team in the Eastern Conference this year. And uh, I think with Vasilevsky playing the way that he is, he's reminiscent of Marc-Andre Fleury these last couple of years. Uh, he's a young goalie, he's 23 years old, he's a pheasant candidate, and uh, he's had some moments in these playoffs that you say, eh, but they've just cut through every team that they've played and haven't faced an elimination game yet. Now, you'd argue that they were down 2 to nothing in this series, so everything they faced from that point forward was an elimination game, but uh, not for real. Uh, that's not the reality. Washington's just pooping all over themselves. They're just doing exactly what they always do. They could still win the series. But this is why I said it was stupid when people were saying they could play freely that the Penguins monkey got off their back. It's hockey. There are too many narratives. Tampa's good. Washington's good. But it would be typical Capitals fashion to watch this team blow the 2-0 lead. Oh, they finally did it. They finally slayed the Penguins. They're finally there. They're finally the hockey team that we all thought they were going to be in the Ovechkin era. And then all of a sudden... (laughs) Here's one thing I don't want to see happen, though. I don't want to see Alexander Ovechkin get ripped. I don't want to see Alexander Ovechkin be the scapegoat here. It's not his fault. It's not Braden Holpe's fault. We've talked about it a lot. Braden Holpe has not been awful in the playoffs for the Capitals. He just hasn't. He's been a player who's given up one more goal than he should give up every time he goes out there. And that's not good enough, but it's not like he's Bobrovsky, who's pooing all over himself. It's not like he's Marc-Andre Fleury from 2012 through 2014, where he had save percentages in the 800s. No, this is a guy who's had a 930 save percentage in the playoffs in his career. He just hasn't been able to get it done. Uh, Ovechkin, point-per-game player in the playoffs, the team just hasn't been able to get it done. It's not about those guys. It's not about them underachieving. It's about the team underachieving Around the great play of a couple of great players. Kuznetsov hadn't been there the last couple of years. Uh, You just haven't seen any of the other players. John Carlson's been pretty good. Oshie's been pretty good. But outside of that, bottom six was bad. And They brought in Williams because they thought he could be a guy, Mr. Game 7, who come in and play in those critical moments and win those critical battles and score the timely goal. And he did... At times, but not enough. So, if the Capitals do lose this series, and well, now they're on the ropes. I just got to say, Pittsburgh, don't kill him. Don't kill him. It's not Ovechkin's fault. It's not Holpe's fault. But I will laugh at Barry Trout a little bit. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Braden does. He said he's not surprised by the cheese teases anymore. Always great, though. Are they supposed to be surprising? I think they're supposed to be funny. They don't need to be surprising. I right, tried to throw a curveball in the middle there, but eh, what's that really matter? Coming up next, a rousing edition of Around the Bags. That's right, not rousing, in a rousing edition of Around the Bags and the story of a Primani's. Locally, where, well, somebody wanted to cry on some fries. It's the Crowley Show. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to GEICO. I feel like a whole new person. Disclaimer, you will not become a whole new person. This is impossible. You might be able to join a gym or diet program, buy a new wardrobe, get hair implants, but your
1: DNA and physical form will remain the same. GEICO waives any and all liability if you attempt to become a new person, except a cyborg. If you choose to become a half-human, half-cybernetic organism with lasers for eyes, the GEICO legal team would be cool with that because, quote, laser eyes are pretty sweet. Pew, 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 end quote.
0: GEICO, 15 minutes
1: could save you 15% or more.
0: Yeah, Tom, my buddy slept with his ex-girlfriend at a wedding this weekend. Oh, no. Oh, no. Is that bad or good? How could it possibly be good? Well, I guess well, it, sex. I guess it was good. Yeah, but now it's good. very bad. Eh, it's never bad, sex. Well, you know, STDs, unwanted pregnancy, things like that. But I don't think, I think it was a good move for him. Why not? Get off the schneid. It's been a while. We're at the North Park Lounge, baby. The Bamboo Bar out in Cranberry. Come on by. Budweiser, the sponsor of the NL Central Tour. You can sign up for a chance to go to a series between the Buccos and the Cardinals. All you got to do is be here to sign up on the iPad behind our friend Alex, who is our engineer on site. He's wearing a Toronto Raptors t-shirt. He's also grizzled. And he's just a, a very sexy man. So get out here, hang out with him, and hang out with us and Budweiser, and sign up for a chance to watch the Pirates get swept by the Cardinals. What'd I say? I didn't mean to say that. that As Freudian, now they're going to get swept. Uh, the Pirates been struggling in these four game series too. Uh, they've got a terrible record whenever they play a team more than three games for whatever freaking reason. I think that's. I don't think that matters at all. It's not the fact that the Pirates played the Padres four times. That's not why they lost. They lost because they stunk. Now that's it. They stunk against the Phillies and they stunk against the Nationals. Eh, it doesn't matter. It's a four game series. We'll get to the Pirates in a few minutes when we go around the bags. But before we get to that, did you guys see the order? What is it? Uber Eats app that was online that's being posted around on the Twitter webs? Uh, It is viral at this present moment. It's a guy who requested a Pramani sandwich be delivered to his house. And he wrote instructions. Just ruin me with fries, man. Straight up. The girl I like's been playing me. She's sleeping with two other security guards over at Ruby. I'm miserable. I'm drinking this handle of Canadian Club. I'm trying to get her face out of my head. All this fat bastard is asking for is to just bleep me up with fries so I can drink and eat my troubles away. Thank you and have an awesome evening. 18 bucks to get ruined by fries. That's a little pricey for Pirani sandwich these days. Also, that girl gets around. A couple of security guards? Like, move on up. Get a cop. Hey, you screw bouncers. Security guard yeah, Go be with a cop. FBI. Step it up. I don't blame her for cheating on this guy though. A yeah, big fat guy eating Permanni sandwiches. Tom, have you ever had to bury your head in a Permani sandwich due to a breakup? Uh due to a breakup no, but I ha- I have just buried my head into a permani sandwich for fun and for to eat it. Oh, this is just this is just pure enjoyment. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is just yes. how I enjoy the sandwich, yes. Okay. Okay, very good. And you have ruined yourself with fries? Oh multiple times I've ruined myself with fries to the point where I can't even get up from the booth they, they literally need to call somebody in to help me get up and get me home when my wife broke up with me back in college before we wound up getting back together and then getting married I gained 40 pounds and that's because I was ruining myself with all kinds of food and alcohol but mostly alcohol and not at all food in fact I really learned how many calories that alcohol had I didn't know that was like water That's not the case. It was bad. It was not good. If I was alone, I wanted to be with people. If I was with people, I wanted to be alone, and whiskey was my best friend. You think those are enough details, Tom? Maybe I stop now? Yeah, you can move on. I'd probably just leave it. It's time for Around the Bags. It's time to go Around the Bags with the biggest D-bag on the Pittsburgh Airwaves, Adam Crowley. It's pretty safe to assume that Prince Harry got to first base. On his wedding night, the Pirates are three and three during the stretch where I wanted to see them go seven and two. So, so much for that. That is five hundred baseball against ass teams like the White Sox and the Padres. Now the Bucks go to Cincy to take on the Reds. It's a series I'd love to see them get a sweep, and in fact, I think that's the bare minimum. Going five and four against that group is just not good enough. And if they win two out of three against Cincinnati, that's what they'll wound up having done. Uh, and I said this before the stretch. Going 5-4, and four, sleeping with these bad teams means you are a bad team. Now the Pirates are going to lose some games you don't want them to. Every team does, but this one hurts their credibility because people were treating them like actual contenders. I can't overstate how much I think this Cincinnati series is huge in terms of contention and huge in terms of perception of this baseball team. People were ready to buy in. Maybe not going to the games just yet, but people were buying in. When we posted the polls on Twitter, people were buying in just on social media in general, and if you wind up going 4-5, and 5-4, five, five and 3-6 and six against that ass schedule, well, you're not better than you were the last couple of years. It's pretty safe to assume that it took Meghan Markle a few hours to take off her elaborate dress and get to SECOND BASE. I mean, my God, how many layers did that thing have? I, I mean, she is. It's like Fort Knox getting the bra off there, I'd imagine. Polanco's got one hit in his last 15 at-bats. Sometimes you run into bad luck. Sometimes you don't see pitches to hit. But neither of those scenarios is the case with Polanco right now. He's swinging through pitches. He swung through a bunch that were in the strike zone yesterday. He didn't look good doing it. There were pop-ups just awful. He missed a fly ball in the outfield. I don't know what you do. But my suggestion is you sit him down. Or you move him down in the lineup. I'm not a big believer in moving a guy down in the lineup, helping them hit better. I think if you're seeing the ball and you can square up the ball, then you can do that no matter what spot in the lineup you are. However, He needs to not hurt the Pirates' run production. He needs to not limit the damage that's being done at the top of the lineup, and I think it worked for McCutcheon last year, and for the team. I don't know if that's the catalyst for Cutch getting better, but it certainly helped the team slide him down to the 6-hole, slide him down even farther than that, allow the good players to produce runs at the top. Polanco streaky. He's going to get it back, but until he does, he's doing way more harm than good. One thing I'll say is not the solution, at least yet in my book, is sitting down Gregory Polanco in and instead playing Austin Meadows. Uh, Meadows has played half a series with the Major League Baseball Club. He's not a better player than Gregory Polanco right now. He hit two seventy in hundred and some odd games in triple A. In his minor league career he's hitting about two ninety six. So he's not a guy who overwhelmed at that level. He has only played a couple of games at this level. Gregory Polanco has shown that he can carry the team for a couple of weeks based on his offense and the power he can provide to this lineup. I'm not willing to throw that out there as a suggestion. I've heard multiple other places, though, do that, and I think that it is obnoxious. Hey, Tom, do you think that Queen has ever gotten to third base? My prediction of Adam Frazier being a good Josh Harrison replacement was just flat out wrong coming into his potential replacement of Josh Harrison Adam Frazier had hit as well as Harrison had in his career they had the exact same batting average well Adam Frazier hit about 220 with Josh Harrison out of the lineup Frazier's fine if he's your fourth outfielder he's fine if he's coming off the bench but he's not a guy who should be playing every day Harrison should be. Harrison's a huge spark to that lineup. He's not a great on-base guy, but he's more than serviceable. He'll play good defense at second base, and yesterday he was their best player. Three for three with a sack fly. They should have won the game. Wasn't his fault that they didn't. When Marte comes back, we should see the most optimum lineup we've really seen this season for the Bucks. and I would imagine that we will, in fact, see Austin Meadows get sent down. Markle's dad stayed in the States because he'd rather be Going for home I didn't set that up well Then watching his daughter's wedding But it didn't happen because he's a big fat slob How about Meadows though? Made some nice plays in center field Also hit 455 at the plate in his first work in the majors Including a Gwen Stefani shot A no doubter That's terrible Kid's got game though He still needs to season a little bit more I think in the minor leagues And Kingham Same kind of thing a tough first inning, but then he retired 14 of the 15 batters he faced and end his outing. He's in my rotation moving forward. Musgrove's going to start Friday against the Cards. I don't love that. He'd be in my bullpen. I'll say that until it happens. That's Around the Bags. Hi! Hey! That'll do it for today's edition of Around the Bags. Before I put a bow on this one, I'd like to extend my congratulations to Megan Markle, the daughter of popular pop singer Marklemore, on her wedding to British Carson Wentz this past weekend. Congratulations. It was a beautiful ceremony to both of you. I will catch you again tomorrow for Around the Bags. Adam wins. Adam wins. I'm pretty sure it's Macklemore. It's Uh, definitely Marklemore. I'll have to take your word for it. I'm not into the uh, classic rock music. 412-922-2874 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. It is so frustrating the Pirates did not take advantage of this soft schedule. They're going to play 13 straight games against NL Central foes coming up at the end of the week here. Uh, pardon me, at the next uh, tomorrow uh, when they play the Reds, the end of the week is when they play the Cardinals. I count them as legitimate contenders. The Reds are obviously terrible this year uh, as they were last year, but yet still somehow went 13-6 and against the Pirates. It's just frustrating because you start to buy in, right? And then they let you down. And if you're not going to play well against the Padres, if you're going to struggle in this stretch, then what's to say you're going to play well whenever the good teams start rolling through? They finally had me believe it. And even I'm trying to temper the expectations. If I'm starting to believe, then that means the rest of the town's starting to believe. I usually buy in very late on the Pirates. It's one of the reasons why I'm not going all-in, and I won't until after they do something positive at the trade deadline. But I was starting to think, okay, they can be at least fairly good. And I was really hoping that they could go 7-2 and two against this stretch, because at that point, then, you're looking at 30-19. and 19. And if you're 30-19, and 19, well, it makes for a really fun summer, because a three-game losing streak doesn't sink you. A six-game losing streak doesn't sink you. Uh, the Pirates now, though, are only six games above 500, which I think is above the expectation coming into the season, but still not where you'd want to be whenever you're playing teams as poor as the teams that they're playing. And I worry about their ability to have staying power and their longevity if they don't win all three games against the Reds. I think it's important to stack as many wins as possible, get as many wins above 500 as possible before you get into this tough stretch and. Ah, it just ain't happening for these boys. It ain't it's not happening right now. It's frustrating because every one of those games against the Padres was winnable. Every one of them. The first game, they're two for fifteen with runners in scoring position. Yesterday, they claw their way back. They're leading by a run, going to the ninth. Their best pitchers on the mound. The only guy in the damn bullpen that I trust, and he does not get it done. They fought back in each of the last three games and weren't able to win the games. And if you go two and two, I feel a little bit better because you win two out of three against the Reds, you're six and three, and you're looking at nine games over five hundred going into that tough stretch. Well now you win two out of three because you lose three out of four and well you are gonna be seven games over five hundred and much closer to your season prediction coming in, much closer to mediocrity, and much farther away from having an opportunity to contend for that wild card spot. Coming up next, all expansion teams should be good. Uh, I don't know why any league would not attempt to help their expansion teams the way the NHL did. We'll get into that. And Mark Andre Fleury is playing the best hockey of his career. It is the Crowley show. How about Meadows though? Made some nice plays in center field. Also hit 455 at the plate in his first work in the majors, including a Gwen Stefani shot. A no doubter. That's terrible.